have taken your first step into a larger world. Let's go. Hello there. I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. And welcome to Force Material, where after a huge week of Star Wars news, we're here to slow things down a little bit and talk about The Mandalorian Chapter 15, The Believer. Baz, it's, it's been a crazy week, but what did you think of this as the, uh, the icing on the, on the cake that was this, uh, this insane week of announcements? This is not slowing things down <laughs> for me. This is all out. Look, I I can't tell you how much I've I've loved these last few episodes of of The Mandalorian. I you know I obviously you know loved season one, but I look back at season one now and it feels like preschool <laughs> compared to what we're getting now. You know, it's it's amazing, but but what we're getting now is just a step beyond and the. You know, I've I've loved the Ahsoka episode. The return of Boba Fett last week was great with all those action sequences, and this was just, well, again like I, I think I like it more than any other one in this season. At the minute. Wow. and it, you know, I know that uh, possibly you didn't love it so much because uh, I got a late night text from you <laughs> <laughs> last night after you'd watched this it. Is, this is Isn't true. It? Look, I, I, yeah, that's fair to say. I'm definitely not with you in thinking it was the strongest episode of the season. Um, I, oh, I don't uh, think I, I wouldn't say that, but I said I, I loved it more. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, I wouldn't I know say it's probably I, not. The strongest. I wouldn't say I loved it more than any other episode this season. <laughs> um, I did. I, yeah, I watched it last night, and I thought uh, that was that was not the strongest episode. I watched parts of it again this morning before we um, before we recorded this, and I, I've definitely warmed on it. Um, look, I think for me, here's where I'm at with this episode. Not a bad episode by any means. Um, probably my, certainly not a filler episode or whatever else anyone might want to call some episodes of the Mandalorian. Um, probably my least favorite episode of the season. Um, part of that is I had really high hopes when I saw Rick Famuyiwa was writing and directing. Um, and I feel... Like even just compared to his two previous episodes of the show, episodes three and six in in season one, um, it fell a little flat for me. Uh, it just felt a little bit muted somehow. The performances were a bit stilted. I don't know. I it just it it wasn't. Look, it felt like it felt very much like an episode of the A Team or some other sort of eighties action show, which is good. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is, you know after two absolutely incredible superlative, you know, God tier episodes that featured the return of two fan favorite characters and, and all the hype of then through this week of the investor day announcements that we talked about in our previous episode. So then I think, I think, I don't know. I think for me that first watch, it was just sort of hard to get as excited by just a kind of relatively standard episode of the Mandalorian. Um, we'd been spoiled by the last two weeks of episodes and announcements basically. Um, so yeah, I, I think in, when you look at it in that context, that's probably why I didn't froth it as much as you could self. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, definitely not a bad episode, just not on not quite on the top shelf for me. Yeah. Um, if, if we're talking about fan favorite characters, Mayfeld is is one for me. Like from season one, I'd have to say Mayfeld is is up there in my top three, if not my favorite character from season mm, one. Mm. Um, and to see the development that he goes through and the next level, Bill Burr takes that acting to in this. I know you you said stilted performances there, but for me, Burr was the best he's ever been. Mm. Uh, I know he hasn't been in that much, but he's been in Breaking Bad and things like that. And he, you know, he's He's got some acting chops, but he really showed them off here, especially in the scene where he's one on one with the Imperial officer across the table and yeah. really showing his, you know, his shell shock, I guess, and, and PTSD and, and his, yeah. his hatred for what the Imperials have, have done to, to, you know, the betrayal of his unit. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I just found that compelling. And I think that he's one of the best written characters in the whole show. You know, he's, he's this snappy wise ass. He's an original character. He's got a history that's a bit murky. Mm. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed 
seeing him more than I enjoyed seeing Ahsoka and more than I enjoyed seeing Boba Fett. And I know that's a crazy assertion, but I really did because I just didn't know what I was going to get from Mayfeld and I was really surprised at what I did get. I didn't expect him to be essentially the focus of the episode. Yeah. You know, for, for a large part of it, he's the only face on screen, <laughs> you know, among yeah. all the other helmeted ones. And yeah. That's um, so yeah, that that's that's a great point, is it? But heading heading into this episode, I think I was sort of expecting this to be more of a we're getting the band together. You know, yeah. Mayfeld would be the first of multiple characters recruited over the course of the episode heading into this fi- the final episode next week. Uh, and it wasn't that. It was definitely a very Mayfeld-centric, like it was, you know, Mayfeld's story. It was a whole arc for him in in this episode. So, you know, I, I think part of my response to it was just expectations. Like this isn't mm-hmm. necessarily what I was expecting. And that's probably why when I watched part of it again today, um, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. Last week you got Boba Fett back. This week he's reduced to a getaway driver. You know? <laughs> yeah, so. that was that was part of the that was part of the problem for me. Is like it did feel like, you know, all the hype around Boba and he, you know, and he was so incredible in, in Robert Rodriguez's episode last week. And then yeah, Family Ewa just essentially used him, as he says, as a getaway driver. Like it was like, you know, that's Boba Fett. Like he he was I mean, and to be fair, you know. He is the guy who's known for not doing much in the movies, so it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely felt like a bit of a step down for Boba. I also look. I'm probably. I'm, I realize I'm probably picking picking nits at this point. I, I wasn't a fan of Boba's cleaned up armor. I don't know how okay. you how you felt about that. I thought he a little looked- bit shocked to see it. Um, mm. It's it was strange to see it because you know I I kind of my first thought was well surely they have bigger priorities than. Yes. And cleaning up the armor and look at his ship. It's still a bit of a state, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I also just thought he looked cool as hell with the beat up armor. And even if you go back to the original trilogy, like his armor's never been, you know, yeah. Like, Like, so, and, and to me, like now he looks too clean. Like he looks like he should be in like a CW superhero show. Like it looks like it's, it looks like they just made the, you know what I mean? Like they just made the outfit and rolled it out and they didn't kind of, I I prefer it when when it looks a bit weather beaten. And I mean, God, that's the thing we've talked about a thousand times on this show about the, you know, well, with the man himself last episode, you know, that with, with the, the used, uh, you know, the, the, the used future mm. kind of look of star Wars. And yeah, uh, I felt like they kind of moved away from that a bit with the, the, the shiny Boba Fett armor, which, you know, I know a lot of other characters have clean armor as well, but it just felt a bit, it, it, it didn't, I, I felt like it didn't suit his character. What I'm thinking about that is that it, it, it is a character thing and it represents, you know, a, a, a cleaning up of his act, like a change for Boba. Mm-hmm. So when you think of the last time you saw him in the original trilogy, he was in deep with the Empire. He was working for Darth Vader. He was doing some dodgy jobs he probably didn't really want to do or didn't really believe in um, for cash. And then he, he ended up getting smashed in the back and thrown into the Sarlacc pit. He'd completely forgotten what it meant to be a Mandalorian, what what kind of racial pride he might have taken in his his people. And now, you know, he's in a different galaxy where the Mandalorians are nearly extinct. And, you know, you can tell from last week that he has some racial pride left or cultural pride, I suppose, mm-hmm. if it's Mandalorians. So, you know, by by getting the armor, by taking care of it, by rejuvenating it, he's showing that he's rejuvenating himself maybe and he's he's choosing a different path. He's maybe choosing a more noble path by, you know, honoring his word to, mm. to Din Djarin rather than doing jobs for the Empire for cash. So you know, I'm I'm thinking that it's probably symbolism rather than anything else. But you're right, the 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 beat up armor did look cool as hell, and I'm sorry to see that go. <laughs> That's a good point, though. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it like that. Like it, you know, it could represent a you know a, seeing a new side of uh, of of Boba Fett. I mean, there there are a ton of things that I liked about this episode because I realize I've sounded a bit negative uh, so far. But you know, I, one thing I liked about this to, to start with is that this was the first episode not to feature Baby Yoda um, yes. through, through the entire two-season run so far. And that might sound a bit strange as the thing that I liked about the episode, but I think it was good to take a break from Baby Yoda and kind of let his absence be felt for an episode. Um, yeah. So that, you know, presumably when when he is, when they do reunite with him next episode, whether they manage to take him back or not, um, you know, it'll just make us love him all the more that, that, we, yeah. we, that he was away for an episode. I said that to my wife this morning as I got up and said... Uh, Maybe Rowan didn't like it because it was the first one without Baby Yoda. 
I am a, I am a baby Yoda stan. It's it's yeah. true. I t- I did miss him, but uh, you know, no. I I mean, I, I thought that was I thought that was good. I thought that was that was appropriate to have him. Mm, yeah, uh, missing this episode. And, you know, his presence was still very much felt in the episode, obviously, because you know we see the the impact that he's had on. Um, the Mando and and his character uh, yeah. come out in a you know in some major ways in this episode. Um, let's talk about the big, I, I suppose, the big sort of set piece of this episode, Baz, which was the, I guess you know the the Redonium chase. The yeah, you know, uh, uh, Mayfeld and Mando's wild ride. They get in the they get in the <laughs> truck, uh, and they they've got the highly vo- volatile uh, Redonium that they're taking to the Imperial facility. Um, I mentioned on, on Twitter earlier today, like there's a really sort of cool backstory to this that I assume was deliberate on the part of the creators, but uh, you know, you never know, um, which is that this is very similar to, well, there's two movies that it's very similar to. They're both based on the same book, um, The Sorcerer and uh, The Wages of Fear. Uh, mm-hmm. So The Sorcerer is the more recent one. It's uh, it's directed by William Friedkin of The Exorcist fame and French Connection fame. Uh, came out in 1977, which is important. Um, it's about four guys in South America who, are, one of them played by uh, Roy Schneider, who are transporting a shipment of dynamite that's leaking nitroglycerin to an oil well that's 200 miles away. So it's all, you know, there's a lot of a lot of tension. They're going across these rickety bridges and stuff, and it's like, you yeah. know, they could explode at any moment. Um, it's a really great, like, very kind of psychologically harrowing action-adventure movie um, that William Friedkin basically lost his mind while making, um, <laughs> yeah. and then and then the response from audiences was like relatively, uh, you know, people were kind of nonplussed by it at the time. I think, but it's sort of become legendary. Yeah, in the it was said. Friedkin's Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Way. But yeah, and and the characters in that were all sort of you know vaguely underworldy characters, kind of running away from their their um, responsibilities and stuff too, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. This this episode uses the the same scenery, the the same kind of color, color palettes, the greens, the explosions of red that you see in in, in Sorcerer. Yeah, it's um it's great stuff. And the and the cool thing about that from like a there's a there's a little bit of a Star Wars connection with the Sorcerer as well, which is that. Um, uh, when Star Wars was released at Man, in at Men's Chinese Theatre in '77, we might have even talked about this a few episodes ago when we were talking about you know the history of Star Wars in movie theaters. But um, when it was released at Men's Chinese Theatre, it actually only played there fairly briefly originally in, in its initial run because Men's was contractually obligated to give um, its screen to the Sorcerer when um, the Sorcerer was released. And then after the Sorcerer hit uh, and it, and it kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if it bombed, but it definitely didn't sort of perform. <laughs> way William Friedkin th- yeah. Well, there you go. It, oh, I'm sorry. It definitely didn't perform the way William Friedkin thought it was going to, uh, or the studio thought it was going to. And so they pulled it and then put Star Wars back on. And then Star Wars ran at man's for months and months and months. And William Friedkin has talked about how, you know, he was just unfortunate. And if his movie hadn't come out at the same time as Star Wars, it, you know, it could have been a, a, a much bigger hit. So it was kind of cool to see what was probably a sorcerer riff in this episode of a star Wars show. It was kind of another one of those little full circle moments we've had a lot of in the, <laughs> over the course of this show. Yeah. What did you make of the, the pirates who were attacking the, the truck? Yeah. They're a bit weird, aren't they? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I find it, I find it a little hard to work out their motivation um, for doing what they're doing. And mm. it's, they were a different, species to the the indigenous uh, dudes who, who Mayfeld and Mando drive past at the side of the road who look sort of more basically human. So yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, are they just a, ba- a bunch of raiders who live on that planet, like the Klaatuinians who, who had the ATST in episode four of season one, mm. five of season one? Um, yeah, you, and, and they raid the humans. So maybe they're just another... Um, gang of of dudes on that planet, but it's, it sure seemed like they were trying to just blow up Redonium rather than steal it. Yeah, so, which which is what kind of got me thinking that maybe they're they're less sort of pirates and more um, rebels, you know, rebels like insurgents, yeah. exactly. Um, because they've got you know this imperial presence on their planet that presumably they don't want, and the imperials are you know mining their resources or whatever. 
Um, so and 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 Bill Burr's Mayfeld kind of talks about that a little bit in terms of what does he say about you know there's always someone getting uh, I can't remember the line exactly but yeah certainly the implication is that is that the Imperials are sort of colonizing this this planet. Look, his his dialogue in this episode is is superlative because it it kind of opens up. I love anything that that makes Star Wars ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just the black hats and the white hats anymore. That there's you can see things from both sides, mm-hmm. and you know where, where he, the line where he says, "Some people grew up in Mandalore, some people grew up in Alderaan. They were taught mm-hmm. different things. Neither of them are there anymore." You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's like it doesn't matter what you believe; everything can change in the blink of an eye, and and no side's right, no side's completely wrong. Mm. You know, it's um, it's great stuff, uh, and the idea of thinking of the Empire as soldiers with families. Mm. who are betrayed by their own commanders, you know, it, it just makes you feel such sympathy for them. I never thought I would cheer at two TIE fighters buzzing yes. in the head. Yeah. You know? Yes. I, that and, that and, was such and, a great sort of, you know, it really, really, uh, really capped off. Yeah. What you're talking about with that, that the ambiguity that, that was sort of all through this episode. Yeah. And you know, the stormtroopers were all kind of warmly greeting them as they came back and saluting them and clapping them on the back. Yeah. You know, for for a job well done. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's just it's amazing. It's amazing that that we kind of got that, and and that uh, you know that's part of Mayfeld's greater story. Because you know when he's mm. introduced in season one, you think he's yeah, you know, ex Imperial sharpshooter. He's probably you know I don't know he possibly deserted or maybe you know you never thought his unit is is. 10,000 of his men got wiped out and he bears a grudge against the empire for it. That's, that's a, something I didn't see coming. And it, uh, it kind of makes him more of a heroic character and a, and a broken character than I expected. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's, it, we definitely, it was so, it was interesting to get a lot more of uh, Mayfeld's backstory in this story. And, and yeah, that speech that he gives Mando about how, you know, well, it's probably a bit strong to call it a speech, but, you know, when he says to Mando about, you know, the Empire and the New Republic are all the same. Yeah. Um, you know, and to that point, and, and you kind of hinted at this, you, you, you sort of talked about this, uh, in, when we reviewed episode, uh, six of this season, you know, when they when they mentioned that he was on, you know, what, what's the 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 camp or whatever that he was in called? Yeah, the Carthon Chopfields. Carthon Chopfields. You know, yeah. as as you said, you know, it's a labor camp. Like, you Nailed know, it. <laughs> yeah. And at the start of this episode, we see New Republic droids, you know, with with electro staffs watching over prisoners in a labor camp, and it's very much, you know new boss, same as the old boss kind of thing. Um, You know, this is, we've talked about this a little bit this season, but that, that ranges of the new Republic show they announced the other day is really going to have its work cut out to actually show that there is a substantial difference between the new Mm. Republic and the empire. And that that difference isn't just, yeah, well, the new Republic is bad, but the empire is really, really bad. Um, Because it's not a great look for the new Republic at the start of this episode. Not really, with their their you know different colored K two SOs just watching over yeah basically and yeah. Uh, and you know the, the idea that um, a marshal can turn up and flash a badge and say like we are we're just getting this guy out of here now mm. it just kind of shows that the new republic bureaucracy might be a tiny bit corrupt as well. <laughs> I mean, a marshal um, who a marshal whose only qualification is that you know the the man uh, Captain Tiva showed up and just threw a badge at her and said, "There yeah, you go." Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, so, you know. she's got some experience from her time in the rebellion, but yeah, very strange. Yeah, very weird. So uh, I I don't know what the republic's up to, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to be uh, you know in as great shape as it purports to be. No, well, you know, yeah. as as a, the the imperial guy, uh, what was his name? Hess later yeah. later later in the, which you know, <laughs> <laughs> great great name. Yeah, like if we're if we're talking ambiguity, um, and you want to pick like a Nazi esque name, Hess is the name you pick. I mean, he was the guy who was was. There's deputy who defect who tried to defect. Yeah, so, you know, like well, mm, let's have yeah, a it, it sort of there. gets right to the theme of of some of this episode, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hess, of course, um, a great character actor, um, Richard Brake. Yes, so he's who, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. 
who we've you know we, fans of pop culture will have seen before in many different things. Yeah, uh, so Joe Chill in Batman Begins, uh, yeah. the, the Night King in Game of Thrones, um, and one of my favorites, the Chemist in Mandy. He was he was really good in this episode. I look, I didn't like that scene quite as much as you. I don't think because. I mean, first off, I, I felt like it undercut. They were obviously going for like an inglorious bastard style, you know, yeah. very, very tense showdown between Hess and Mayfeld and Mando. But the the fact that Mayfeld from like the 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 beginning of that sit down sequence was clearly going to shoot Hess. Like there was there was never any like he he, he barely tried to play along with what Hess was saying. Like you know he he he. he if he was trying to be undercover, he wasn't doing a great job of it. So it was like, you know, that, but it's fine. We had to get to the, we had to get to the shootout. I mean, it was, a, it was, it was, it was interesting, as you say, just to hear though about the way that, you know, Imperials were sort of, you know, even the officers are kind of betrayed by, by their commanders and stuff. I was going to say, it's a nice reference to Operation Cinder as well, which is from mm. some of the, the books and things about, you know, the, the Empire's slash and burn policy when Palpatine died. So the contingency plan, like if you can't, if I can't have this world, no one can. Yeah. Yes. It does seem a bit unnecessary for the planet that burned in Operation Cinder to be called Burnin' Con, but, <laughs> yes. I mean, like, what did they think was going to happen? <laughs> you know? It's very much like, you know, a guy named Octavius gets eight arms. Like, what are the odds kind of, kind of <laughs> yeah. thing? But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, but, yeah, he was, he was fun. I mean, I think there's a, there's a fine line between, like, a recurring motif or, you know, a theme and a formula and I thought the Empire guy sitting down and having essentially the same conversation that Werner Herzog had with Mando at the exact same point of the first season in terms of, you know, people say they want freedom, but what they really want is order um, was a bit much. I was like, we've seen this in literally exactly the same spot of, you know, the corresponding spot of season one. I mean, whatever. It's it's always interesting. No, no, I, I get that. I think things. it's... It's sort of um, it's a little bit different for for Herzog to say, you know, the Empire improves every system it touches and every metric, and you know, mm. and, and th- this guy's basically saying, well, you know, I wiped out ten thousand guys, but it was all for the greater good. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a level of evil that the, the client didn't really reach mm. for me. I I just thought this character was odious, and I I, yeah, I wanted him to get shot so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, gu- I guess Rick Famuyiwa did as well, which is why he telegraphed it poorly. <laughs> I definitely wanted him to get shot. I, I wouldn't say he was more evil than the client. I think it's more just that. I mean, I could watch. I could watch Herzog all day. So I, you know, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want him to get shot for that reason. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, look, it, it's Star Wars. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe more more so than normally in uh, in in this episode. You know, as long as we're talking about the the the, the kind of infiltration of the Imperial base, uh, yeah. Mando taking his mask off. I mean, this is a big moment. Yeah, it's a huge moment. Um, it's kind of the moment where the logic of this episode fell apart a little bit for me, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're you're with me on that. What is the point of having facial scanning technology that mm-hmm. accepts a scan of literally anyone's face? Well, not literally anyone. They can't be on the banned list, but. Like surely it would yeah. make more sense if there was like approved faces or retina scanning well, or something. Yeah, you'd think you'd think that you know that they would rather rather than having a banned list, they would have an actual whitelist yeah. yes. for everyone who's in the Imperial remnant, at least you know. Yes, um, which made me think maybe like Moff Gideon knows Din Djarin's name. Mm. Maybe he did have some kind of history with the Empire. Maybe he served briefly or something, and you know he's had a checkered career. He's been running with Ranzar Malik's gang. Mm. You know, he, he may have done something with the Empire at various points. I guess so. I mean, I so, don't, it doesn't seem to fit with what we kind of know of his no. upbringing. But then again, I mean, as you say, he, d- he did spend time with, with the gang. The thing is, like, if, if the Empire wiped out the Mandalorians, like, there's no way he would have he ever done anything, like, in support of the, yeah. the Empire. Then again, he did, you know, he did take the client's money in the, in the first season. So, mm. uh who knows? Yeah, but the, the the big illogical part of this episode really is: did he even need Mayfeld if he could just do it himself? Yeah, and also, 
wasn't there an easier terminal they could have got to rather than go through all that? I, there I must think have been. <laughs> that's that's a good point. I think I think the I think they thought Mayfeld would be more useful in terms of like knowing codes and authorizations and whatever. Like I don't I don't think they're expecting Mayfeld to be like, oh yeah, I can totally get you in if we go to this other random place that's out of the way and, and you, and I, and I go and get this code for you. But by that point they'd already broken Mayfeld out of prison. So it's like, well, we may as well, you know, we may as well use him now. Um, Plus the, you know, the thing was that the guy um, Hess didn't even recognize Mayfeld. So that was what Mayfeld was worried about. So, you know, he, he sort of, he could have just walked in there and used the terminal and got out, you know, that, that Um, actually, that to me, I actually liked that though because it added to kind of the tragedy of Mayfeld's backstory in a way but you know possibly this is a ge- just a generous reading of a of a plot hole but i think this was intentional um to mayfeld you know it, well this is the classic you know Raul Julia street fighter thing is like to mayfeld Hess, you know, wiping out all of his 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 comrades was, you know, the worst thing that had ever happened to him. To Hess, it was Wednesday. You know, he he yes. doesn't remember Mayfeld. You know, so to Mayfeld, he remembers Hess, and he would expect that you know Hess would remember him. But in reality, Mayfeld didn't even make any sort of impression on 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 Hess. You know, he Hess yeah. doesn't recognize him, and that actually to me adds to like the sadness of of Mayfeld's backstory and and just the. You know the the futility of being an imperial officer in the in the first place. Mm. The um, there were some great little references in this scene as well, like um, uh, Brown Eyes lost his hearing at the Battle of Tanab. Yeah, yeah, um, that was great. Which was which was a good little one. And did you catch the Office Space reference? The TPS or reports. The TPS yeah. reports. <laughs> funny, so funny. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I um. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I loved seeing, obviously, uh, you know, you've got an actor like Pedro Pascal in the role. I know part of the mystique of it is that you rarely ever see his face, but it is it is good to every once in a while be reminded that he's that he's there. Um, and it was nice to see. We'd never really, see, like, obviously he takes his mask off at the end of season one, but this was the first time we'd seen his kind of, you know, beautiful non-battle-damaged face in an episode yeah. of The Mandalorian because he was pretty messed up in that season one episode. Yeah, his lovely brown eyes. Yeah. <laughs> now, Baz, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, as I said, in season one when he took his helmet off, he was pretty messed up. You know, I didn't really think too much about, like, what he what he looked like. In season two, I thought it was kind of more noticeable and more absurd that he has a mustache under his helmet. Like, why mm. would you bother maintaining a mustache if no one, like it, like I understand if it was like a beard because like a beard can just happen and it's that a beard would actually make sense. Cause it would suggest a level of like not caring, you know, but a mustache is like, you have to maintain a mustache. Like he had to, you know, that he's, 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 he's at some point every couple of days, he's, in that thing and it's like why no one's ever seeing your face by design no one's ever seeing your face well do you have any any thoughts on what the you know maybe what the what the uh, canonical explanation for the mustache could be why did you not preface that with i must ask you a question <laughs> <laughs> uh, um you know i'd look is it just because Pedro has one and he didn't want to shave it off for the role where he doesn't show his face? I don't yes. know. Very but, um, <laughs> Cesar Romero as the Joker. I'm yeah, not shaving my mustache for anybody. I kind of, you know, it's a personal style thing, I suppose. And I, I, I guess, you know, he he probably, when he's alone, sits around helmetless, right? And maybe just tugs at his mustache a little bit. It's fun to tug at a mustache. It really is. <laughs> I mean, we did um, see him take his helmet off when he was alone in um, yeah that, that episode four of season one. Um, we, yeah. I mean, we didn't see his face, but we saw that he took his helmet off when he had a minute of alone time. So yeah, that that checks out. Yeah, and you 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 know, my wife doesn't shave her legs with her tights on, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
There's there's got to be an ad for some sort of uh, <laughs> grooming product or something in here for the for the Mandalorian. There's got to be a tie-in, you know, like just because no one can see your face doesn't mean you shouldn't look your best or whatever. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What I did find striking was that he, with his mask off, he looks so uncomfortable, like a, a guy who's naked in public. Yes. Would he, Pe- he just, Pedro? You know, yeah, I we I've done him a bit of a disservice by just going on and on about his mustache because he he did a great <laughs> job of conveying how uncomfortable he you know Din was without his mask on. Yeah, because with with the mask on, he's just a badass. Uh, yeah, and with with it off, he's frozen in the headlights. He you know he doesn't know what to say, even yeah. really, let alone what to do. Yeah, yeah, stick a helmet on him and he's he's fully active again. <laughs> <laughs> But I just thought it was a lovely gesture as well that Mayfeld said to him, you know, yes, I, I saw nothing, hands him his helmet and looks away. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just a nice moment of, of connection between the two of them. And it's also showing Din, it's, it's another example, you know, one of the things that's kind of cool about him growing his sort of merry band of, 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 of rebels uh, over the course of, of the last two seasons is it's showing Din that he can trust people Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's all about him, you know, breaking out of that kind of cult programming that he's been stuck in that, you know, the only people I can trust are these other Mandalorians and I can't show my face to anybody. And honestly, it doesn't seem like he could, you know, who knows how much he can even trust them. Um, and this, this, the whole show we've talked about before is about Din kind of coming out of his shell and sort of emerging from this very cocooned upbringing that he has had and finding his way through the galaxy and stepping outside that cult's teachings at the same time that he's kind of introducing the galaxy to Grogu. Um, Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about the show is like, you know, he's learning stuff at the same time Grogu's learning stuff. So we've talked about ad infinitum. I mean, that's, you can't get a sort of a better metaphor for parenthood than that. I would imagine. Um, So that's kind of what's really cool about the show. And so in this episode, uh, that's what I mean. I meant before when I said maybe Yoda wasn't in this episode, but his presence was really strongly felt because you saw the depth of feeling that he has for baby Yoda in that I keep calling him for Grogu um, (laughs) because he was willing to, you know, to break that number one rule of his, of his cult. um, Yeah. To save Grogu. You could say he broke that rule as soon as he dressed up in the Imperial armor. Yes, because and you I know, thought that as, was great that that Bill Burr yeah. pointed that out. Yep, yep, really good. Yeah, and then it was just a matter of like, you know, just the, stepping further and further over the line. And this is the this is the whole thing of like stepping further and further out of that out of the the parameters that the cult has kind of set for him. You know, and yeah. I, I keep I keep calling them a cult. I mean, they. You know, they are. His they're, experience they're, with them wasn't entirely negative. They did save his life, and you know, whatever. That, but, but yeah, they. I think we, they're a cult. They're the they're the KKK mixed with the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> Guys who like to hide their faces and have guns. Yeah. You know, that's that's what they I are. Hadn't, I hadn't thought of it like that, but yes, that that does. That does check out. Yeah. Um, which, which is what makes you think you know, maybe the armor was like the villain all along. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what's interesting about like the 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 blue bantha milk guys who we had on a few episodes ago. They've done a video on this, like about how the armorer, uh, you know, very well could be a villain, and I, I think you know probably will turn out to be a villain because she's very prominent in season one, um, and then we haven't heard anything from her. She's been very conspicuous by her absence in season two, um, and. She is the representative of this cult that we are gradually finding out uh, are not, you know, are not good people um, necessarily. So, or at least, uh, you know, they're extremists. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very likely that she comes back and is in conflict with the Mando, especially if the Mando is no longer sort of following the, you know, the precepts of the of the of of the children of the Watch. Yeah, it's um. It's a, it's at this point he's almost fully deprogrammed, if you ask me. Mm. Um, you know, he's shown his face to other people. He's he's put his trust in people he wouldn't normally have trusted. He's he's fully committed to to being a father to this child, uh, to the point where at, at the end of the episode, Mayfield, you know, says to him without any sense of irony or sarcasm, "I hope you find your kid." Mm. 
yeah um you know i hope you get your your kid back so he's like referencing it as you know your kid i think that's one of the first times that we've actually heard you know a character directly you know make that connection to 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 mando as a as a father mm. I think you know, um, I think Cara said something similar in this episode as well, didn't she? Like something about, you know, he's looking for his kid or something like that. But yeah, yeah so it, yeah. it's interesting that other characters can see it that this is yeah that this is his kid. That's right. Dave, maybe I mean I think in his mind he's still going to take Grogu to train. So it's almost like the other characters have realized before he has that this is that this is his kid now. Um, yeah. Just speaking he, of the- so even even last episode, he's still sort of saying, oh, you know, I'm going to take you some, somewhere to your people and they're going to take real good care of you. I still don't think he even really believes that himself. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, I just, you know, they're not going to do that. Like there's, there's, <laughs> no. there's no, there's no show if they, if they do that, but I, I'm, I'm really, there's curious. no merchandising division if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, unless they'd announced a, you know, a Grogu spinoff the other day, but they, but they didn't. So I would imagine that means he's staying in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see like why Grogu doesn't go off and join, you know, Luke's Academy or some other sort of, um, mm. Jedi training program, uh, at the end of this season. So, I guess you know I'm I'm sure they have a good reason worked out. So yeah, I'm really curious to see what it ends up what it ends yeah. up being. Uh, just um, speaking of we you know we talked about taking the mask off etc. One probably my favorite line in this episode um, is the one where they're talking about whose face is going to be used uh, at the terminal, and they're you yeah. know Fennec Shan saying, "Well, it can't be me." You know the ISB knows knows what I look like. You know etc. And uh, and Boba Fett has that bit, you know. Let's just say they might recognize my face. <laughs> that yeah. was incredible. <laughs> so good. What it, uh, I mean, we, uh, we, sorry. He, he's got some great moments in this, and and the Slave One moments are, are good too. Like he really knows how to fly that thing. Yeah. Um. The the call back to the episode two bomb. You know. Yes. The, the, the noise was, was dead, and then. A boom. Yes. Yeah, so so good. The sound design in that sequence was was just exactly what I wanted to hear. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, we finally get to see the inside of Slave One and how that kind of cockpit gimbal thing works a little bit um, and how it rolls up behind them when they're sitting talking. Yeah. What was in the cockpit. That's, know, that's it, because we'd only ever seen, like, I'm trying to think back, like in, in the movies and stuff, we'd only really seen, like, the cockpit, right? We hadn't sort of seen, like you know, any more of the ship than that. So this was the first time we'd kind of seen how it would function, you know, from inside. Like we'd seen the ship sort of moving around them in in this episode, which we hadn't seen before. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool, which kind of adds to my to my thoughts maybe now that they've spent so much time on designing a specific set for Slave One and working out how it moves and everything that we might see a lot more of it. And it might end up being Din's ship going into season three yeah. or, you know, if Din doesn't make it next episode, Boba Fett can be the Mandalorian. Um, See, this is that's super interesting to me because I I remember we talked about at the end of season one, right? There was mm-hmm. that moment where Mando kind of got blown up and IG Eleven ended up fixing him, and there was that moment in that episode, and. I immediately felt like an idiot for thinking this because I'm like, he's the lead character in the show. Of course, they're not killing him. But there was a moment in that episode where I thought he was going to die. Like I genuinely thought Mando was going to die in that in that season one finale and that the whole, you know, I'm like, well, oh, that's how they got Pedro Pascal is they only needed him for one season. Um, and I, I thought, yeah, he was going to die and then maybe Cara Dune or someone like that would sort of take up the mantle of the Mandalorian because, you know, we, it also established in that, in that either that episode or around that time that it's, you know, it's a, it's a creed, not a, not a race. Um, so yeah, I, uh, obviously he lived, but ever since then I've kind of thought like, yeah, at any point they, if they wanted to, they could just replace him with another Mandalorian or someone else who sort of follows the Mandalorian creed as the main character. Like he doesn't have, you know, plot armor on as much as you think he would. Yeah. It's interesting that the choices of characters they've killed in season one, like lovely, sweet Queel, mm. um, who, you know, was the last person who deserved to die. Got it. Mm. Um, IG mm. again, you know, a fan favorite, funny character, 
Mm. Who, you know, yeah. Um, and a, and a character who in that episode, in those two episodes, really sort of embodied. I mean, that is what the show is all about. Like that, that, uh, that, that in that mini arc that IG Eleven had of like, he's a murderer, yeah. and then like, no, I've reprogrammed him. He's nice now, or whatever. It's yeah, like, he's that's a nurse. Show. He's yeah. a he's a parent now. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And, and as a parent, he knows what it is to sacrifice himself for. Yeah. For you know the the good of everyone else. So you know you're right. You're thinking about um, Din Djarin's journey. He's on that journey. He's become, you know, a, from a hunter murderer to to a parent. Mm. And that doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, like, look, I hope for best your case sake, scenario, that's not true. <laughs> well, best case scenario, you know, you just don't get as much sleep as you used to. Worst case scenario, you have to give your life for another being. <laughs> so. Yeah. This is that. So, you're, 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 you're right. I mean, you said this last episode when we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, the, the investor call and stuff. But yeah, that, that it's possible that, that, that Boba Fett dies in, in the season finale and, and Din gets his ship. But yeah, the same could be true in reverse. Uh, Mando could die, and 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 Boba Fett could be the you know the Mando for yeah season two. Well, I mean, they, season they didn't three. announce a Boba Fett series in the uh, investicle, did they? No, or, so or film. So, either of those things you know. are very much in play. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, what would you prefer? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not saying either of these things. You know, they're, they're they're both somewhat unlikely, I think. But if one of them was to happen, which which route Ooh. would you prefer they go down? Well, look, I don't know. The the thing with um, the Mando and Baby Yoda storyline is that it could be coming to a close. Mm. You know, if they decide to go their separate ways, if or if Mando decides to sacrifice himself so that Grogu can live, we're not going to get a Grogu TV show. We're not going to follow what Grogu does. Mm. You know, so um, we, we have to logically do something else. So, you know, the Mandalorian could continue with a different Mandalorian in the title role and be more of an anthology type show where, you know, it, it kind of moves in and out of different characters, which it kind of already is doing in a way. Like mm. the focus of the last few episodes has not really been on Din Djarin. Mm. It's been on different people who come into his orbit. Mm. So, uh, so that's kind of interesting. I, I honestly don't know what I'd prefer, but I think it would be a, a solid, bold move to kill Din Djarin in this next episode. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would to, certainly I, be bold. I, I keep battering on about how great Blake Seven was, and if you haven't watched that, you know, do it. But uh, but yeah, one of the first series around the end of the seventies, start of the eighties, that that showed me that you know it's powerful to be able to kill major characters, mm. um, and you never forget a show that does that. Mm. So uh, and, you know, and- it, yeah, it could be a, it could be an option for them. And that's where, you know, you look at the Razor Crest getting blown up a couple of episodes ago, uh, last yeah. episode, uh, and it's like, uh, who would have thought that would happen? You know, like uh, we, we talked about, you know, in Star Wars, these ships are so iconic and so tied to their respective characters that the, even the ships are, are wearing plot armor when they go into when they go into battle. But, um, you know, the Razor Crest got blown up, so they weren't too worried about, you know, what that meant for merchandising or whatever. Uh, so it's we're worried about what it went meant for my hundreds of dollars now. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, it's it's in it's it's in play. And that's the beauty of having, you know, a character called the Mandalorian who yeah. is sort of a Boba Fett alike, but not really. Like we when when this started way back in, you know, before episode one, season one, we talked about the beauty of using these characters who were kind of like archetypes. Well, you know, like when you do like a Star Wars role playing game or whatever, and you've got you've got characters who fit certain archetypes, but they're not the character that you they're not the famous character that that fits that archetype. So like Anything can happen with them. The story's wide open. Like you can throw in weird little, you know, uh, traits, or you can you could kill you could kill one of them, and it, you know, you're not taking Boba Fett off the table if you kill the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if if the beauty of having a new character is that you can do anything with them, I mean, then part of that is like, yeah, you could kill them if you yeah if you wanted. Um, and, the, and I mean, I, w- I would love as much as I, I you know, I've, I thought I think Pedro Pascal's performance has been really great. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to a season of following Tim Morrison around the galaxy, having yeah. adventures. Um, I mean, even if even if, 
you know, he didn't, even if uh, Mando didn't necessarily die, but was like captured or something and we followed a different character for a while. That mm-hmm. could be, that could be interesting. Um, could be, yeah. I do. I mean, I just, I do feel though Pedro Pascal and his sort of spot on, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood voice impersonation as Mando is very central to the appeal of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. We shall see next week. Yeah. I mean, just before we wrap, like, do you have any sort of, I mean, this episode did not kind of lead in quite as spectacularly as I necessarily expected. Like I remember to to the season finale, like, so obviously the second last episode of season one was, was quite, quite a big one. We had Moff Gideon uh, reveal himself at the end of that episode. Um, This one, I kind of feel like, was more just sort of business as usual for the Mandalorian. And in a sense, you know, he went on a quest, he got a thing. Um, and now he's, he's going off to fight uh, Moff Gideon. He's not even bringing Mayfeld with him. I thought that was kind of, you know, I was hoping that yeah. Mayfeld would, would join him for the finale, but no, Mayfeld's going to be off doing his own thing. Um, Me too. But that, that's kind of an interesting um, fate for Mayfeld because he's now essentially marooned on a planet where you imagine <laughs> the only way off it is probably, on an imperial craft because the the locals don't look like they've got a lot that might be space capable. Yeah, and he can't um, exactly blend in with the locals. Yeah, but he could lead them in a revolution. He's got the skills that they desperately need. He doesn't like oh my the God. empire. Yeah, um, so he's got runs on the board now. You know, he's the hero who blew up this exactly. Facility. Yeah, and he hasn't finished the job. So, so I'm thinking maybe Mayfeld's fate is to become like an anti-imperial revolutionary. Um, on this planet, like a Che Guevara of uh, wow. Mor- which is Maybe. kind of uh, an interesting fate for him. And, you know, it could lead into other things. Maybe he's a ranger of the New Republic now. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see that character come back. That might Love be him. going a step too far, but you never know. I mean, he could. It might be. Well, how about, you know, um, Cara Dune, Mayfeld, Cobb Vanth, and Carson Teva, rangers of the New Republic. Oh, my God. That's a uh, cast, right? Yes. Yes, give it to me now. Put it, inject yeah. that directly into, <laughs> into my veins. I mean, that basically is the A team. Yeah, you know, it's got the, all the archetypes there: the crazy one, the the responsible one in charge, the big tough one. Yeah, and the and the kind of you know the 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 flash attractive one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I do. So that's I, elephant, obviously. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do hope we see more of uh, more of Mayfeld. I mean, you know, there were, obviously there was no Mayfeld show announced the other day, but um, yeah, maybe that maybe there was. Maybe you're right. Maybe he'll be in the the ranges of the of the New Republic show. I can't I mean, believe how he got that gig as well. It's you know, for someone that has beat up on Star Wars a little bit for <laughs> the years and, and that's been. What, I respect that so much about Bill Burr because I remember we joked yeah. on this podcast before about how every time anyone is announced for a Star Wars project, they always give the same, you know, sort of paragraph <laughs> in, in the press release that's completely yeah. interchangeable, which is understandable because everybody it's loves Star Wars. It's a dream come true. Yeah, where they say it's a dream come true. I, this is what I've always, et cetera, et cetera. And I love that Bill Burr was just like, eh, it's not really my thing, but, you know, yeah. job's a job. <laughs> but, but here he is just absolutely owning this. and yeah. You know, I think maybe his, I don't know if it's its too much to say disrespect, but his, his refusal to kind of buy into what this whole thing is about maybe stands him in good stead in terms of the acting because he's, you know, it's easier for him to appear disaffected and, yeah. and cynical about the whole thing. I mean, it worked um, for Harrison Ford, you know? Yeah, so. yep, that's right. Oh, man. I just, yeah, I love everything about it. And uh the believer as well. Good title for the episode, isn't it? Mm. If if we're talking about it referring to Mayfeld, um, does it now mean he's a believer in revolution? Um, yeah, in, certainly doesn't mean he's a believer in the empire anymore. No, does it mean he's a believer in the new republic? I mean, probably not. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you could also you could also see it as look as as being uh, about Din being a believer. But then th- that's what's interesting about this episode is this episode he probably takes his biggest step towards not being a believer. Um, yeah. 
anymore. So <laughs> in the cult anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. There, there's a few interesting ways you could take the title. I like that these last couple of titles have been a little bit ambiguous. Uh, yeah. You know, we yeah, talked about, yeah. you know, the tragedy. Like, what was the tragedy exactly? <laughs> Razor Crest. Is it, yeah, is it the Razor Crest? Is it maybe <laughs> Grogu getting kidnapped? Because to me, I'm like, like I said, like, you know, you're not a Star Wars character until you get kidnapped by the Empire at some point. So that's not really a tragedy. Uh, yeah. So I think it's, um, I think it was the Razor Crest. But yeah. uh, anyway, there's. I don't think we, we haven't even really mentioned the, the, the action sequence I love the most, really, which is. Um, the shootout? The, the, them busting out of the, yeah. the base. And uh, and climbing up onto the top of the roof and, and jumping on at slave one, yeah, oh, that was fantastic. And then, you know, the crack shot with the cycler rifle as well, which is a nice, uh, yes. I think, battlefront reference. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was awesome. I mean, even we didn't really talk about the, you know, even with the the, the truck the, chase, yeah. Like That's the, it, the of, Indiana Jones style, yeah, fight the, on the Raiders kind of yeah. style of that, or even like an you know, it's kind of like an old western, like the the yeah the the, the shoot out on top of a train or or whatever um yeah so the yeah top that, pass stuff was the action was was great like on a par with last week's in, in my opinion yeah different style of direction clearly i mean you can't out rodriguez rodriguez but <laughs> yeah that i think i think part of it for me is like rodriguez just made the action so kind of kinetic and exciting in that last episode and for me this one fell a little bit flat in in that regard but Look, as as I said, I rewatched it today. I enjoyed it more, and even just talking with you, I'm kind of like, yeah, that was a good episode, wasn't it? Like there was <laughs> there was a lot of really good stuff in that. I need to I need to go back and and rewatch that again. Uh, I think I'm going to rewatch it now. <laughs> so we're going to rewatch it now after this, yeah. yeah. Uh, am, or yeah. maybe I'll rewatch it just before episode eight next week to really really <laughs> yeah. get hype for the season finale. I mean, Baz, we are one week away now from the season finale. What are you, what are we going to yeah. do with ourselves once there's no you know, Star Wars, no Mandalorian to look forward to every week. We're going to have to go back to getting interesting guests and talking about really fascinating <laughs> parts of Star Wars lore. I'm not even we? talking about the show. I mean, that's a good point, but I'm not even talking about the show. I, I just mean, like, what am I going to base my week around? Like, what am I going to, oh, yeah. you know, this is uh, the this recording is the a podcast about. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's definitely the highlight of, I mean, in a year like this, yeah, the Mandalorian has has seen it out in grand style. It's um, it's keeping me sane at the moment. Just thinking about, I, it's weird. I cannot stop thinking about these episodes for a week after I've mm. seen them. Mm. Couldn't stop thinking about Fett mm. all week, mm. and and just you know him hitting people with a gaffy stick, mm. and talking to Roger Christian just kind of exacerbated that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 this week, I know I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about you know this episode and. Uh, and you know the, the the slave one aeronautics and the and the rooftop escape and all that stuff. It's, yeah. it's just yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot to think about, and there'll be even more to think about uh, after next week's finale. I don't know if that one's going to be any like if the episode itself is going to be any sort of longer than a normal episode. I imagine it will be. Hope so uh, yeah. certainly, it could be um, a really short episode. Yeah, who knows. Um, they could turn up to where Moff Gideon's coordinates were and find out that he's actually in a starship and could have moved. Um, <laughs> so, you know, especially now they've given him a warning yeah. that they're coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about that briefly. What did you, what did you, I, I mean, I thought that was cool, but, but it, probably a little bit of a bad strategy, a bad strategy. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, cool that he used the, you got to love anytime you can do the action movie style, you know, well, I'm saying what you said, but now it means something different when I yeah. say it kind of moment, you know, with the, um, you know, he means more to me than, than you'll ever know. But, uh, yeah, look, I, uh, I, I don't know if that was the smartest strategy, but Mando is very much like the Batman of the star Wars uh, galaxy sometimes. And this was sort of a classic, you know, Batman style intimidation tactic. I think Yeah, this is you know, even, even better, it's like you you tweeted during the week. This was all your work, by the way. Um, the uh, Liam Neeson taken oh, yeah. reference, <laughs> you know, Grogu. This is very important. You're yeah. about to be taken, and this is kind of like the the other part of that call yes. to the bad guy. Yes, you know? yeah, good point. This is the yeah. you know I have a very special special set of skills yeah. uh, kind of kind of <laughs> moment. Absolutely, I will find and you. I've got Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. So I guess yeah. Look, it, and a little bit of a little bit of intimidation of the of the Imperials never goes astray. Um, I mean, I, I can't wait for the finale. I'm you know, I, I'm so pumped to see where this season ends. I know they've still got a bunch of surprises in store. One of the coolest things is we really don't know anything about what's going to happen uh, because you know none of this footage has been seen. None of no these last couple episodes has been all stuff that we hadn't seen anything on in the trailers. Um, so yeah, there's no stills, there's no trailer footage, there's no nothing. We have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, you know, still in play as well is like, who was Grogu talking to? If he, if he was, a, if he reached out through the force, like, did he make contact with a Jedi in episode six? Yeah. And is that right. Jedi on their way to, to, to join the rescue effort to save, to save Grogu in, yeah. uh, in episode eight? I was thinking about how could they approach Moff Gideon's ship without sort of triggering alarm bells. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Bo-Katan, who's now in charge of an Imperial light cruiser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yep. they could recruit her help um, to, to, you know, to yeah, infiltrate. That, yeah. That hadn't even occurred and, to me, but of course that's how Bo-Katan comes back into this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she wants the dark saber too. So it's all, it all works out. The only thing is, is Ahsoka going to come back for this one? Mm. I, I think we've probably seen the last of Mayfeld, sadly, for this season. I can't see him sort of turning around, walking back to Slave One and going, actually, guys. It'd be weird sorry, if he, need, need he hadn't seen the last of him after that. Yeah. It'd be like yeah. how Tony Stark used to end like every Marvel movie <laughs> by being like, I'm not going to be Iron Man anymore. And then the start of the next movie, he's like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm still Iron Man. Yeah. I'm just yeah. pretending that didn't happen. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see who the, the ranks get swollen by between, um, you know, in the early hours of, of next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Bo-Katan's a great call. Very yeah. interesting call as well, because in terms of, you know, character motivations, etc. because Bo-Katan has been very upfront about her motivation is to get the Darksaber back. Mm. If... Moff Gideon was to put her in a situation where she had to choose between getting the dark saber and rescuing Grogu. She's choosing the dark saber. She, she's taking the stick, not the cup. Not, not the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Grogu and, and, you know, presumably the dark saber doesn't mean that much to Moff Gideon. doesn't seem like he has any interest in like ruling Mandalore or whatever. So, I mean, you know, as opposed to getting baby Yoda's magic, magic blood um yeah so yeah i feel like he would do that deal um yeah and and maybe you know obviously this is all hypothetical but i mean that that could be one way that grogu maybe stays in imperial hands for a little bit longer um yeah into the next season into the next i can yeah i can sort of i can see a you know if everyone survives i can see a a situation where that you know happens Mm. or maybe even gets worse for him somehow Mm. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. There was no Bo-Katan spinoff or even a sort of a show that she would obviously fit into announced the other day. So if she was to do a bit of a heel turn, that would, uh, that would, mm. that would make sense. Um, anyway, who, who knows? We will in, in like six days uh, and we'll be back. Here. I'd say if I was Moff Gideon, I'd get myself a helmet because, <laughs> you know, he's going to take a knee dart to the face in the first two seconds of any fight he gets into. <laughs> Get a helmet, mate. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if Boba Fett, I mean, we know Mando obviously has it out for Moff Gideon for his role in, you know, the downfall of, of Mandalore. But, you know, I wonder how strongly Boba Fett feels that as well. Obviously, his ties to Mandalore aren't as strong, but yeah. they're there. So, you know, he has reason to, to hold a grudge against, uh, against Moff Gideon as well. All they have to do is tell Ahsoka this guy knows where Thrawn might be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I don't know if we'll see Ahsoka back, but I, I, I definitely feel like her one episode this this year was a pretty sort of obvious like backdoor pilot for the Ahsoka show that they announced. Um, so we probably won't see her again in this episode. But who knows? I mean, anything's yeah. anything's possible. It would certainly add to the uh, all star feel of the you know the team that he's putting together. Yeah. Um, Fennec Shand didn't do a hell of a lot in this episode. No, neither did uh, Kara really. Um, no, he's got a couple of action scenes like bashing troopers' heads off dashboards and things. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I like the the easy kind of banter between the two of them. They're both professionals. They're both sharpshooters. They both kind of know the, the mercenary lifestyle kind of thing. So that 
But when they when they uh, started covering the escape, though, that was when. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. That was yeah. definitely very cool. Yeah. So we'll be back here next week to talk about episode eight. Baz, did you have anything else you wanted to mention about this episode before we call it a day? Bill Burr MVP. <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> yes, Bill Burr was uh, was fantastic. Um, all right. Well, in the meantime, guys, let us know what you think might happen in episode eight. Hit us up. We are at Force Material on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can drop us a line at Face Material. Force material at gmail.com if you yeah have a message for us that um, that's too long for social media. Um, and yeah, like hit us up with your theories before episode eight drops, and then we'll be here to talk about it next week. I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. And you've just taken your first step into a larger world. <laughs>